Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale, but do these stories stand the test of time, or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are they suspenseful or forgettable? Bone-chilling or butt-numbing? That's what we're here to find out. This week, we will be listening to an episode suggested to us by a listener. FilmBuff104 left us a lovely review on iTunes and included, Can You Please Do Ghost Hunt from Suspense 1949? It's a great found footage episode. Well, FilmBuff104, thank you for the review, and we'd be delighted to listen to your suggestion. Ghost Hunt was based on a story by Herbert Russell Wakefield, noted author of supernatural horror whose career stretched from the 1920s to the 1960s. In regard to Wakefield, H.P. Lovecraft once wrote that he manages now and then to hit great heights of horror despite an air of sophistication. The story was adapted for radio by Walter Newman, whose own works may sound familiar, including the screenplays for The Magnificent Seven and The Great Escape. Although in both of those cases, he declined credit for the scripts due to disagreements with director John Sturges. Ghost Hunt features Ralph Edwards as DJ Smiley Smith. Edwards is the creator of Truth or Consequences and This Is Your Life. Edwards was inducted into the National Radio Hall of Fame in 1995, and in 2004, the game show Congress established the Ralph Edwards Edwards Career Community Service Award. Ralph's son, Gary, accepted the first of these awards on behalf of his father. Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything but what you hear right now. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. and its 60,000 dealers and service stations present Suspense. Tonight, Autolite brings you Mr. Ralph Edwards in Ghost Hunt, a suspense play produced and directed by Anton M. Leader. Friends, replace worn-out narrow-gap spark plugs with a set of those new wide-gap Autolite resistor spark plugs. Your motor will idle smoother, give better performance on leaner gas mixtures, actually save gas. These winning benefits are all made possible by a newly developed Autolite 10,000-ohm resistor built right into every Autolite resistor spark plug, making practical a wider spark-gap setting. And that's what does the trick. What's more, Autolite resistor spark plugs with this exclusive Autolite resistor have greatly increased electrode life and cut down on radio and television interference. So, folks, see your Autolite dealer and have him replace old, worn-out, narrow-gap spark plugs with a set of the new Autolite resistor spark plugs. Remember, you're always right with Autolite. And also remember, the Autolite suspense show is now on television. Every Tuesday night in many parts of the country. And now, Autolite presents Ralph Edwards 
in a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Didn't that leave you high, huh? Left me feeling treetop tall. That was Louis Armstrong's I Can't Give You Anything But Love. And that's all we have time for on the Hot and Mellow Hour tonight. Yes, 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 this is Smiley Smith, your favorite disc jockey. I hope, I hope, booting the Hot and Mellow Hour home for this evening. I'll be back again tomorrow night, minus the music, but with a little surprise for you. Tomorrow night, Friday night, as you know, is stunt night here at Station WXP. And have I got a stunt for you. Last week, if you remember, I planted my wire recorder in the steam room at a lady's Turkish bath and then let you listen in on the playback, remember? <laughs> well, tonight, as soon as I leave the studio, do you know where I'm going? Hmm? Your friend Smiley is going to spend the night in a haunted house on a spook hunt. You heard me. A spook hunt in a haunted house. I'm bringing a little old wire recorder along with me, and if you tune in tomorrow evening at this time, you'll learn what it's like to spend a night in a haunted house. Ain't that something? <laughs> a real haunted house. No kidding. Four people are known to have committed suicide there. So tune in tomorrow night and share a real thrill with your old pal Smiley. I must be crazy. Smith. Good night. <laughs> Here for a cigar, Mr. Thorpe? I got some cigars in the dash there. No. Well, no reason for you to carry a chip on your shoulder, Mr. Thorpe. Oh, really? Well, I don't like this fool stunt. Well, I don't see it as a fool stunt at all. I really don't. I think it's the only way you're going to unload this house. Ordinary selling methods won't work in a case like this. Now, don't forget the reputation saddling this house. Four suicides since 1939. You know what people call it. The death trap. Yes. It's a lot of nonsense. Sure, but try to convince people of that. Anyway, when this disc jockey offered me this chance to kill all the rumors about the death... About the property, I just naturally jumped and took him up at it. Especially since it don't cost a cent. You sure about that? I'm not liable for a penny. Not a cent. We're doing him a favor letting him use the place, he said. Thank me for the chance last night when I drove him out here. So one hand washes the other, as the feller says. He got a chance to pull off a stunt, and the wire recording will prove the people the property is A number one, and we increase the chance of selling the place. Well, as long as it doesn't cost me anything. Not a thing. He's using his own recorder, and I'm paying for the rental of a couple of walkie-talkies he hooked up to it. Well, uh, what about this, uh, Reed? Does he charge anything? He comes gratis, too. Dr. Reed is, uh, uh whatchamacallit, a psychic investigator. Belongs to a couple of societies that do nothing but hunt ghosts. <laughs> He showed me articles he's written about it in their magazine. Uh -huh. Well, here's the house. Yeah, looks real nice in the sunshine, don't it? Yeah, man, smell that sea breeze. You don't have to sell me. Well, let them know we're here. Yeah, probably asleep up all night and everything. Why don't they come out? You think they've gone? Well, I told them last night I'd pick them up around 11. Uh, Smith! Smith! Hey, Smiley! Dr. Reed! Yeah, fast asleep, I guess. We better go in and wake him up.
course, they may have taken the bus back to town. No, no, no. It's a two-mile hike to the main highway. Uh, Smith! Hey, uh, Smiley. Where are you? Wake up. You don't suppose, uh, do you? Oh, no, no. Uh, Smith? Uh, Dr. Reed? What's that, that, uh, clicking noise from in there? Well, it's his wire recorder. He left it running. <laughs> These machines cost a lot of money. Doesn't he care if he uses up his batteries? Well, where is he? And where's this Reed? Maybe they're upstairs. Uh, Smith? Hey, anybody home? They must have walked to the highway and taken the bus. Well, he wouldn't have left these machines. Well, where are they, then? Where are they? Now, now, don't get excited, Mr. Thorpe. Don't tell me not to get excited. If something's happened to them in my house, I'm liable. Well, you try this side. I'll try that. All right. Uh, Smith. Hey, Smiley. Smith. Smith. Oh. McDonald. Come here. Well, what? What it? Oh. No. Reed. Dr. Reed. No, no, don't touch him, Mr. Thorpe. You'll get your hands off. Look. Blood. Is he dead? I can still feel his pulse. We better get him to hospital fast. Mr. Thorpe? No, no, thanks. Well, why not try to relax? The nurse said Reed would be all right as soon as he's had a blood transfusion. You told the radio station to be sure and call us as soon as they had any word about Smith? Yes, I told them. Uh, why don't you sit down? No, I'm all at sixes and sevens. What do you suppose happened out there last night? Well, we're going to know in just a second, just as soon as I can get this, this recorder set up. You don't suppose Smith and Reed got into a fight, do you? Yeah, there. Huh? A fight? I don't know. Well, what's wrong? Won't it work? Yeah, it works. Uh, take it easy. One, two, three. Testing. One, two, three. There. Testing. Please. One, two, three. All set, Dr. Reed? Mr. McDonald? Hey? Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> this is Smiley Smith speaking. Smiley Smith, the ghost hunter. I don't know whether to hope this will turn out to be a success for the sake of the program or a failure for my own sake. Anyway, all the preparations have been made now, and it's up to the spooks. I better tell you where we are. Right now, we're standing on the lawn of a house about 12 miles above Malibu Beach. The ocean is 100 feet away, straight down. The house is perched on a cliff, and there's a sheer drop of about 100 feet right into the old Pacific. Maybe you can hear the surf pounding. I'll turn up the volume. Hear it? Now, I'm going to have you meet two gentlemen who are here with me. Incidentally, we're the only people around for miles and miles. First, I'd like you to meet Dr. Clarence Reed of the British and American Psychical Research Guild. Dr. Reed is a famous investigator of uh, psychic phenomena, and I'm very honored to be associated with him on this ghost hunt. He's smiling in an embarrassed sort of way. You're much too kind, Mr. Smith. Dr. Reed has conducted experiments in this field with such great believers in spiritualism as Oliver Lodge and Arthur Conan Doyle. 
He looks a bit like Santa Claus. He's short and stocky. You don't object to you, Dr. Reed? Hmm? No, 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 indeed. And he has a magnificent white beard, a truly great beaver. Dr. Reed is so enthusiastic about ghost hunting that he got out of a sick bed this evening to be with us. Excuse me. My lungs. Mm-hmm. I was uh, gassed in the First World War. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Dr. Reed and I are here on the lawn looking at the house. Can't see much. It's around, oh, 11 p.m. now. Seems to be a rambling sort of house, two stories high. Since it was built, there have been four suicides here. Is that right? Uh, that's right. Now, in, into the mic, please. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> four suicides since 1939. I better tell them who you are so they won't think you're a ghost. Huh? Standing with the doc and me is a real estate agent, Mr. Charles McDonald. He handles this property, and he can tell you a lot more about it than I can. Well, the house was built by a man named Marcus, Toby Marcus, an orange grower. Built the house as a wedding present for his wife. A month after they moved in, she took her own life. On the day of her funeral, he committed suicide the same way. There have been two other cases since then, and did, I... Did they all uh, jump into the ocean? Yeah, yeah, all four of them, right over there. Well. The last one was actually seen doing it. About three years ago. He was seen running like all get out the edge of the cliff, and he was shouting and laughing and yelling as though there was people at his side running right along with him. You kidding? No, it's fact. He was laughing and yelling and running, and when he got to the edge, uh, right over there, huh? he jumped and never came above water. <laughs> as good an argument against cold baths as ever I've heard. <laughs> uh, since then, people just refuse to live in this house. Silly, I call it. Anyway, if you and Dr. Reed find any sign of a spook, I'll advise the owner to pull the house down and rebuild. But if you don't find anything, I'm hoping this will convince folks that here's a real buy. Yeah, okay, Mr. Smith, you and the doctor on your own. I'll be by in the morning to pick you up around 11. Goodbye, Mr. McDonald. I hope there's something left for you to pick up in the morning. (laughs) Well, it's almost pitch black, folks, and I guess Dr. Reed and I ought to begin. I don't believe in ghosts, never have, but what I say is this. If you're dead set on looking for them, this is a dandy place to do it. So long! Mr. McDonald just checked out, and then there were two. Well, three. Oh, my dog, yeah. Uh, Folks, I have my dog, Jeff, with me. He's a wire-haired terrier, three years of age, and he can talk. Yeah, say hello, Jeff. Come on, Jeff, say hello. Come on. Well, anyway, he's a wire-haired terrier, and he's three years old. Uh, Shall we go inside now, Dr. Reed? I was about to suggest it. Now, uh, how do we hunt ghosts, Doctor? How do we do it, huh? Well, we don't really hunt them. If there should be any in the house, they will come to us. How cozy. And please, not ghosts. Do not refer to them as ghosts. We know them as apparitions. Now, remember, I've no desire to hurt their feelings. Where ghosts are concerned, I say live and let live. Well, we've opened the front door now. Maybe you heard the hinge squeak a little. Now we're standing here looking in. Can't see much. Smells sort of musty and damp. What's the matter, Jeff? What's the matter, boy? Jeff. Oh, come on now, come on. My dog seems to object to entering this house. He has all four feet braced, and he's straining against the leash. Perhaps he senses something we don't. Like apparitions, maybe? Perhaps. It's not unusual. Animals lack the veneer of sophistication we humans possess and are more sensitive to such ammunition. Yeah, come on, Jeff. Now, stop this nonsense. He probably smells a mouse or rat or something. Come on, Jeff. We're going in whether you like it or not. There's a short entrance hall, and over there at the end of it is a flight of stairs leading to the second floor. Jeff! And uh, over here at the left is what seems to be a large reception room. We're entering this large room now. There are windows over there, French windows, and through them I can see the ocean. 
The electricity hasn't been turned on, so all I have to see by is a flashlight. Not a very powerful one at that. Dr. Reed is now adjusting his walkie-talkie. It's hooked up to my recorder so that he can cut in while he's hunting and tell us what he's found. Here's a few words from Doc before he sets forth on his investigation through the house. Ladies and gentlemen... (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, Mr. Smith has introduced me as a ghost hunter. He spoke, I think, in a spirit of skepticism and, and levity. I'd like to assure you all that my purposes here are serious. I have spent my entire life seeking reliable proof of the appearances of apparitions. Have you ever seen any, ever? I have seen phenomena which lead me to believe in the possibility of their existence, although I have never seen any. I account myself sensitive to the evidence of their existence. This house, for example, affects me profoundly. It doesn't seem to affect you in the same way. I'm not too happy about all this, if that's what you mean. You are not psychic and therefore not sensitive to these matters as I am. I imagine the question in the minds of those of you listening to us is, shall we find apparitions? I don't know. But I feel they are here and that they are evil. I sense danger. I shall soon know. Dr. Reed's leaving the room now to make a tour of the house. First thing I'm going to do is open the windows and let some fresh air in. Ah, Feels better already. Cooler anyway. I know that. Oh, it's a bat. A bat, a bat just flew, flew into the room. I, I think it's a bat, not a bird. I didn't actually see it. Just its, its shadow as it fanned my face. There it is again. It touched me as it passed. Jeff! 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 Come back here! Jeff, you fool dog! Come back here! Dr. Reed? Dr. Reed? Dr. Reed! <laughs> For suspense, Autolite is bringing you Mr. Ralph Edwards in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Hey, hello. Hello, snap out of it. Huh? Oh, oh, uh, I'm reading a letter about the new wide gap Autolite resistor spark plugs, huh? Oh? It's for Mrs. Clark Perry right here in Hollywood. She says, our 1948 station wagon has given constant trouble. Finally, the garage man said all the difficulty was spark plugs, and he installed a set of Autolite resistor spark plugs. Now the car runs beautifully. The very first time my husband has been really pleased. Well, smart garage man. Smart people to take his advice. Half, you know, as more and more people learn about wide-gap Autolite resistor spark plugs... And how they make an engine idle smoother, give better performance on leaner gas mixtures, actually save on gas, why then more people will replace old, worn-out, narrow-gap spark plugs with sensational new wide-gap Autolite resistor spark plugs. Any more letters like that, Harlow? Plenty, Hap, plenty. Why, here's another one from New York City. Oh, uh, read it to me later, Harlow. We haven't time because here's suspense. And now... Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Ralph Edwards as Smiley Smith in Ghost Hunt, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Jeff! Jeff, come back here! Jeff, you fool dog, come back here! Dr. Reed! Dr. Reed! Dr. Reed! Reed speaking. What is it, Smith? Uh, Jeff has run off, my dog. He, he jumped through the window and ran off. 
Oh, so? I told you he sent something about this house, didn't I? Yeah, you want to come and see if you can determine what it was exactly at Sadie Moore? Uh, soon. I'm making my way slowly up the stairs toward the second floor now. I'm halfway up. I'll be down with you soon. <laughs> Folks, my dog's run away. You probably heard him howling. He jumped through the window and took off. Never did anything like that before. Frightened by the bat, I guess. Personally, alone here in this big room, I can understand how he must have felt. This isn't a cheerful spot by any means. I may not be psychic, but I sure have a feeling this house doesn't want us here. Read again. <coughs> Excuse me. I have something of great interest to report. I'm now standing in an alcove on the second floor trying to recover my breath. As I reached the head of the stairs, I felt what I think is a definite psychic manifestation. I felt suddenly as though I had been punched in the solar plexus. That's the only way I can describe it. At the same time, I began to perspire. Uh, my head is still swimming slightly, uh, and I have difficulty in swallowing. My pulse rate is around 110 in a minute. The sense of evil is very strong. I feel very, uh, what shall I say, profoundly depressed. Do you want me up there? Uh, no, I prefer to remain up here alone. The presence of a disbeliever such as you might interfere with my investigation. Folks, I'd like you to get a picture of what it's like here. It's very quiet, for one thing. I've never been in such a quiet place, and it's pretty dark. No light except my flashlight. Tell you what, you go now and douse all the lights you have on. Go ahead, put out the lights, and that'll give you a clearer feeling of how it is here with me. Go ahead, put out the lights. Hey, did, did you hear that? <laughs> Real estate agent told me I'd probably hear rats and mice in the walls. I can certainly hear them now. Even you can hear them, I think. It's as though... Dr. Nate speaking... I've been working my way toward the front room, the one directly above the one in which Mr. Smith is now. The vibrations have become stronger and more and more pronounced as I approach it. I think I am on the verge of an important discovery. Important discovery? Did you get that? Now I can hear Dr. Reed moving about in the room above. I don't suppose you can. Have a try anyway, huh? Hear him? I hope he finishes his investigation soon because... Quite frankly, I'd like to get out of here. I can well imagine people becoming unhinged in this place. Right now, I find myself pretty jumpy. Not being very brave, am I? It's being alone in this room down here that does it. This, this darned old house, it's, it's a very... I mean, you know, the atmosphere, it's so very... I wish only to make this hurried report before continuing with the investigation in this room. I have carefully sounded out all the parts in this room, and the emanations are most strong from what appears to be a closet before which I am now standing. As soon as I open the door to this closet, I will have, I think, a thing of great interest to communicate. I find no key to the lock, and so I will attempt to remove the hinges with my penknife, and I will tell you what I find when I open it. I'll tell you what it would cost to get me to open that door. In the basement at Fort... There's that bat again. It seems to like me the way it keeps... Each time it passes, it touches my face or my neck with its wings. <laughs> smelly things, bats. I don't suppose they bathe very often, if at all. I wonder how... Get away, you bat! That bat'll be the death of me. Yeah, it's like a jingle, isn't it? Bat'll be the death of me, the death of me, the death of me, bat'll be the death of me. It isn't far from London. No, that isn't the way it goes. It's uh, come down to um, Q in lilac time, in lilac time, in lilac time. Come down to Q in lilac time. It isn't far... I haven't thought of that since I was a kid in grammar school. Gee, I had a lonely childhood when you come right down to it. I mean, oh, that's my affair, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. It most certainly is. 
I have succeeded in removing the hinges to the door, and I find inside it is not a closet, but much larger. It is, I think, a dressing room. I have not yet been inside, but I am about to enter. Uh, what was I talking about? Uh, oh, yeah, bats. Well, the bat flying back and forth in this room. Did you hear that? Did, did you hear it? Dr. Reed must have knocked something over in the dressing room. A chair, huh? a chair, yeah, a heavy chair by the sound of it. The chair or whatever it was must have fallen right right over my head. That's the way it sounded. I, I, I can see a small stain forming right on the ceiling, right, right over my head. <gasps> something ran across my foot, just a rat, I think it was. I've always hated rats. Most people do, of course. That stain up there bothers me. It, it's gotten so big so soon. I think I'll take a chance and bother Reed and ask him what it is. Dr. Reed. Reed. Can you hear me? Are you all right? Hello? Well, he didn't answer. I, I, I think he's just a little bit deaf. I think so. What do you suppose he's found, huh? I'm afraid this is rather dull for you listeners. I, I'm not finding so, of course. There. I, I heard him cough. Did you hear that cough? Hope he's all right. He, he, he got out of a sick bed to come here this evening, you know. He was gassed in the First World War, and this place is beginning to get on my nerves a wee bit. Just a teensy-weensy bit. <laughs> Reed, speaking, I... Hello? He switched off. That's the bad cough he's got. I feel so lonely. I've been alone so much in my life. Not so much now, of course, but when I was younger, I was alone so much of the time, you know, struggling to get ahead, living in a hall, bedroom, wondering where my next meal is coming from. I get the blues just remembering it. Seem sad, young people having to spend so much time alone. Sad for old people, too, of course. I'm saying of course a lot. Of course I am. Hey, that stain on the ceiling, it's grown amazingly. It, it, it's actually beginning to drip. I mean, form bubbles. They'll start dropping soon. Colored bubbles, they seem to be. Odd-shaped stain, like a, a, a body lying on its back with its arms stretched out. <laughs> it's cheerful. <laughs> oh. I'll certainly advise Mr. McDonald to have this place pulled down. I'll go upstairs in a minute or two to see how Dr. Reed's making out. You know, listeners, I, I really believe i go completely crazy if I had to stay here much longer. Wears you down. That's exactly what it does. It wears you down. It's so close and musty in here. I feel sort of trapped. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. That's, that's what they call this place, you know, the death trap. There, what did I tell you? That stain started to drip drops. Drip drops. Drip drops. Drip drops. Drip. I'll catch the next one with my hand. Let's... Reed! Dr. Reed! I'm, I'm going upstairs now, listeners. I'm, I'm afraid something has happened to Dr. Reed. I'm not kidding now. I mean, this is on the level. I, which room could it be now? Right? Left, no, right, right. This is it, I think. Well, <laughs> oh, evening, gentlemen. And, and madam? I'm so glad to see you. I, I, I was just aching to see somebody, anybody. I, I've been so lonely down there. Uh, what have you done with the doctor, huh? I know, I know he's been hurt. See the color of the bubble on my hand? What have you done with him? Make way, please, gentlemen, make way. Well, well this isn't the, the funniest darn thing. <laughs> this, this can't be Dr. Reed lying here. He didn't have a red beard. Now, don't crowd me, gentlemen. Don't don't crowd me, please. Huh? You want me to go where with you? You want me to do what? Speak up, gentlemen. To the cliffs. Down to the cliffs? You mean right now? <laughs> well, all right, if you'll come with me. I don't want to be alone anymore. You will come with me? All of you? All four of you? You too, ma'am? 
Oh, good. Come on, then. To the cliff. To the cliff. To the cliff. To the... He jumped over the cliff. He jumped over the cliff. McDonald, he jumped over... Mr. McDonald, Mr. Thorpe, you may come in to see Dr. Reed now. What? Uh Uh-huh. Dr. Reed is conscious. You may see him now. Is... Is he able to talk? Just for a few minutes. In here. Come in. Come in, gentlemen. How are you, Dr. Reed? We've been waiting to see you. Yes, and I must apologize, gentlemen. I had a most unfortunate accident. Hemorrhage. Hemorrhage? Yes. My lungs, you know. Now, gentlemen... Hemorrhage? Dr. Reed, what happened in that house? What happened to Smith? We've just been listening to a playback of the recordings you made out there. Smith? Isn't he with you? We've just heard the recording, Dr. Reed. Smith jumped over the cliff. Into the ocean. Oh, that poor boy. Dr. Reed, will you please tell us what happened? From what we heard on the recording, there were ghosts in that house. Ghosts? I didn't see any ghosts. But Smith, what about him? If he went over the cliff, it was fear that drove him over. Gentlemen, I didn't see any ghosts. As for that unfortunate young man, who can say now what he saw or thought he saw? Thank you, Ralph Edwards, for displaying your versatility by appearing as guest star on Suspense. See, Harold, that Edwards does everything. Uh Uh-uh, half. No does. Don't use that word on our auto light show. Oh, come now, Harlow. I can make you use that word, as you call it. How? (laughs) Now, don't you say that auto light resistor spark plugs make your car engine idle smoother? Yes, but... And your car gives better performance on leaner gas mixtures. Saves gas. Sure does. I mean, do. (laughs) I mean, does. (laughs) Aren't we devils? (laughs) Ah, Ralph, you tricked me. Well, anyhow, it does my heart good to tell people that Autolite resistor spark plugs are ignition engineered by Autolite, which makes more than 400 products for cars, trucks, airplanes, and boats in 28 plants from coast to coast. Autolite also makes complete electrical systems for many makes of America's finest cars. Batteries, spark plugs, generators, starting motors, spark plug wire, battery cable, coils, distributors. All ignition engineered to fit together perfectly, work together perfectly because they're a perfect team. The lifeline of your car. So, folks, don't accept electrical parts that are supposed to be as good. Remember, you're right with Autolite. And now here again is Ralph Edwards. I want to thank Tony Leader and his great cast of actors for helping to make my appearance on Suspense a very pleasant consequence. (laughs) Like all of you, I'm a great Suspense fan... And I'm looking forward to next week when radio's outstanding theater of thrills brings you Joseph Cotton in The Day I Died. Another gripping study in... Suspense. 
Tonight's suspense play was adapted for radio by Walter Newman from an original story by H.R. Wakefield with music composed by Lucian Morawieck and conducted by Lud Bluskin. The entire production was under the direction of Anton M. Leader. Make it a point to listen next Thursday to Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Remember next Thursday, same time, here, Joseph Cotton in The Day I Died. Autolite resistor spark plugs, Autolite stay-full batteries, Autolite electrical parts at your neighborhood Autolite dealers. Switch to Autolite. Good night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That was an episode of Suspense and the episode Ghost Hunt from 1949. You are listening to the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. And that was fantastic. That was a lot of fun. Thank you, Film Buff 104. Is that who that left is, us this request? Yes. That's a, that is, by the way, I, I'm sure you're a lovely person, but a terrible, terrible name. <laughs> I don't think it's the name his mother gave him, probably. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not even sure if it's a he. But whoever you are, thank you. This was a lovely episode. Oh, I don't understand the future. <laughs> <laughs> the future is now, Eric. People with their handles. No, when I saw this request, initially I was like, eh, we should maybe call this one of those requests that we're holding for like a anniversary episode because i not to get ahead of ourselves i i think this is one of the greats of old-time radio personally but i like to satisfy our listeners so we're talking about it now i had never heard it before and i had no idea what i was in for i didn't do any research ahead of time just kind of put it on wow was that fun i love the premise of the DJ doing wacky stunts, and it reminded me a little of Northern Lights from Quiet Please. Remember when we did that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, where we get to listen to the recording of the events, and I love that idea. Such a great convention for radio because it allows him to describe everything. Yeah. And it, and it yeah. works. Without it, it, seem without it being awkward, yes. Yeah, and it, all it does is inform his character, and it informs what he's feeling in that moment, the way he describes it. Because this whole thing, the, the trajectory from the glib, sarcastic disc jockey to the guy who's just trying so hard to crack jokes to keep himself from freaking the hell out. And, and he even starts to even reveal a little bit about himself and his childhood and things in this sort of desperate moment where he's just trying to pull anything out that he's thinking about. His spiral? Mm-hmm. His losing of control, not only performed brilliantly, but yeah. written brilliantly. The uncomfortable awkwardness of, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, and yeah. and then he starts to just say really insane things because he's losing it. Yeah. And the, the, this format of we are just listening to the straight recording, there's not going to be any edit. There's not going to be any mm-hmm. anything to, to pull you or him out of this moment. He's outright says, I'm trapped, and you as a listener feel trapped, and it's great. You know something terrible happened, right? It's not, yeah. not a suspicion, because the way they structured it, too, before you hear this recording, and I think that's the brilliant they part They found the it, dead people. They find yeah, he's gone, Reed, yeah. and he's right. injured in some way, and we don't know yet how and why he's injured. They find him covered in blood, and Smiley is vanished. And so with that knowledge... Everything, every joke that comes out of his mouth has this sort of ominous, uh, nerve-wracking quality to it. The casting of Edwards, he's that perfect voice and that he's just willing to play a character that falls apart like that. And I, I love that opening announcement with him. 
I'm oh just, yeah, like, he's talking about yeah. Like remember last week when I left my microphone in the Turkish the ladies Turkish, ladies okay. Turkish bath. So that was one of my notes. Is like everything was going well until wait, what'd you do? Yeah, <laughs> left a microphone in a, and I went okay. That's and then I played it back for you, and there was no noise. Except for that one fart. <laughs> what would be hot about that? Uh, does this remind you of anything modern? Blair Witch Project is the obvious. And there's many now, like Paranormal oh, Activity. That's which, what I which was... Which was set off by this Blair Witch reminded Project. reminded me like, of the, the ghost hunting shows on TV, all 7,000 of them. The second thing was I was unaware that the concept of ghost hunting is that old. I assumed this started like turn of the century. I, I, mean, the I assumed century. it started with reality television. <laughs> I assumed it started with the Three Stooges. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean ghost. I know, but like actual as like we are ghost hunters. And in this story, you find out that that's a thing. That there are people that are calling themselves that, and that's what they do for a living. And I don't know. I just I, I thought it was a more recent thing that had occurred. Well, and it's interesting that Doctor Reed. I guess it's 19, what, 49, 1950. But he's an old man, looks like a Santa Claus, and he had actually had some interaction with um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, you know? And so it is that turn-of-the-century spiritualism. This is so mean how he described him. Oh, and then that he was says, a... are you okay with that? Well, <laughs> too late now, but thanks. <laughs> or the great moment when he's coughing. Oh, the coughing's great for many reasons, but oh. just when he's first introducing him and he's coughing and he's, oh, I got some lung problems. I was gassed in, in the, the first, first, first world war. And he says, yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. He just says, yeah, he blows it up. It is the it's weirdest. It, God, I wrote that down too. Oh my God. I went, well, okay. That, yeah. But uh, the reason well, they did it's it. The, it's the wrong tone. He's a DJ. Right. He's like, this is funny. This is where the ghost house. Ooh, scary. He doesn't <laughs> want to talk about the last world war and people getting gas. So it, it's a really brilliant moment, I think, among many. Yeah, there's a lot of fantastic moments. Well, I, I want to mention this. I love when we find out that it's a real estate agent who's like, we can't move this house. Right, it has this really <laughs> practical mercenary reason for setting right. this up. Uh, uh, I mean, obviously, it provides us with some outside characters who can find the bodies and find this recording, but it also makes you buy into the everydayness. I also appreciate of that of the, that part of the story. They broke out of the found footage element, mm -hmm. and it was fine and helpful, and it didn't hurt it at all. To, yeah, which I think more contemporary found footage pieces feel obliged to try to cram everything into that format. Um, yeah, this really grounds the story in reality, and I think it makes it scarier that everyday people with really practical concerns, like we got this house that we can't get rid of, let's find a way to sell it, and it could be great publicity. Um, well, they bought time on the radio station. And as someone that worked in radio for a very long time, I will tell you that there are a lot of things that we were told to go on and sell. The, the classic example of this is a bar gig in radio. When you go into the bar and broadcast live from the bar, and it, we're having a great time here at Billy's, and we're having, you know, wherever you are, and you do all this stuff. But the reality, you don't care that you're at that bar, and you don't really like that bar. Mm -hmm. They're paying money mm -hmm. for you to be at that bar and make it sound like it's the greatest thing in the world. Are you telling me there's some element of DJs that is <laughs> insincere? <laughs> Outrageous. <laughs> uh, pretty much all of it. Oh, I remember. My little heart. They used to come in middle of shifts and say... Not exactly what they'd say, but things like this. In the next half hour, I need you to say Coca-Cola like six times. And then, they, and then, they'd, and then they'd walk out. And I'm what? And they'd, something just, you just do it. And so, and you do it. And you just 
Get on the mic and go, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. <laughs> Just get them right out of the way. Depends on how, how much job security you have yep. and how much fun you could have with it. Me, I made it really sincere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my favorite moments in here, a very meta radio moment, was uh, when Smiley invites the listeners, it's early on, oh, to yeah. turn off the lights to better capture the same feeling that he's having beautiful moment i like that i was gonna ask you both did you turn off your lights when he told you to uh, unfortunately broad daylight and i've heard this story a lot so so i, I did, did not i i did not but i did it, oh. i was like oh well i'm gonna do that and it was really okay smiley <laughs> yeah, but, but <laughs> yeah. why not no and i did and it was really cool but i didn't actually think it was that early on i think that was like he had started to freak out a bit and that was him i'm gonna oh. pull it back together again yeah I mean, yeah, he gets a little nervous the first time that bat flutters past his face or whatever he thinks uh, is a bat. I really loved the way they handled the bat and the rat. By any other horror story standards, that would be like a really cliched mm-hmm. move. Right. But it's so grounded in reality that, it, that the reality of a bat is it, freaky. You felt it. Like, yeah. He goes, ah, you go, ah. You really is, are sympathetic. I would normally, what I'm about to say, be a complaint. Uh, but in this show, this what I'm about to say worked. His unnatural reaction, his not real reaction to walking into a room where there are people. Like, I would normally say, wait, who are you people? Why are you in here? Oh, yeah. oh my God, what's happening? But instead, he says, oh, hi, I'm really glad you're here. I wanted to talk to people. It's really disturbing. And <laughs> it really worked. And that's really hard to do because, especially for me, who I'm always looking for the real reaction. That's what's going to scare me. I want real people in real situations with real dialogue. And that wasn't. But it worked because we've already watched him fall apart mm-hmm. downstairs. And they spent so much time establishing his real reactions they put a lot of effort into he reacts to things right so when he goes into there and reacts wrong it really throws you it's I, right. i'm gonna say that that has to be one of the most frightening radio moments just, i've listened to is when he goes oh hey you guys and, it's, and he's just he's so right. relieved and because it is that contrast it's that huge huge gap between what he feels and you as a listener feel because you're like mm-hmm. no <laughs> You're a dead man. And he's like, oh, his, you know. And that great small little foley of his one set of footsteps going through. Yeah, it's it's just that he's imagining all this. And there's that great moment when he sees Dr. Reed. And he's like, oh, that can't be Dr. Reed. His beard wasn't red. And (laughs) (laughs) that's that moment like, oh. And it's that great moment in Radio 2 where he's telling you information. He's covered in blood. But when he says it like that, it doesn't feel stilted. It feels like this moment of utter horror. The only thing in this entire thing that made me go, eh, and I think they can get away with it because it is honestly the very last line when Dr. Reed finally wakes up. And I, I don't believe his line when he talks about, oh, it was fear that drove Smiley. He's like immediately dismissive of the existence of ghosts, which seemed well, odd. I like the right. choice that he didn't, like, he, I saw no ghosts. There's yeah. And I think that would, I think they should have shortened that line. Yeah, like, I agree. Went, I didn't see them. Like, oh, oh, you know, you could read that, oh, was he jealous or was he concerned or anything? Well, and that, but, makes... but he seemed to want to dismiss it and wanted to do an authorial voice where suddenly it broke his character, but he wanted to present this. Could it have happened or could it have all been in his head? And it didn't seem the right character to present that idea. It also begs the question that doesn't get answered. Because of his reaction to that, mm-hmm. he's upstairs radioing him. I'm finding some really interesting things. What did you find? What were you seeing? You know, you would think that when he 
was saved, he'd say, well, yeah, uh, you wouldn't believe what I saw. Or I thought this was going somewhere, but then I got there and it was nothing. Right. I mean, I do like the twist that the blood stain and the blood on his beard, it was all natural causes. It went back to that coughing fit that was uh, it seemed like a throwaway joke at the beginning that he had some sort of hemorrhage. So that was that sounds like of, a lot of blood. It, it does <laughs> yeah, seem like right? a lot of blood, right? Uh, but uh, again, What's wrong with this? I'm, I'm willing to forgive that. And World War One was terrible. So I, I almost wonder if we're supposed to think that he's a fraud, right? Oh. Then when he's actually confronted mm. with it, oh. you know, he had an actual hemorrhage, and they're like, "There was a ghost." He did jump off the cliff, and he's like, well, "I'm sure it was just fear in his head." You know, right. he's there, and someone has actually died, and he's on the spot, and he's in the hospital, and then suddenly he backs off all the ghost stuff. Huh. I think that's the only way that last yeah, couple this lines that are... tone of the performance in the last line mm-hmm. makes it seem like authorial. Yeah, the idea of a reporter standing stoic. In the face of adversity is uh, romantic by today's standards, of course, but Mm -hmm. it was a very real thing that reporting was actually uh, noble. Mm -hmm. When you listen to the broadcast of the Hindenburg and what that man is doing and reporting and how strong he is for as long as he possibly can until he finally can't take it anymore and says, you know, I've got to sign off. And I found it really, really truthful how he was for that time and that era of this recording of this Mm -hmm. radio show, that that's not only, it was expected of all of them. Everybody in the air was telling you the truth and nobody was misleading you and everybody was noble and everybody, even the DJs had journalistic integrity. Even if it's a shallow stunt. Correct. Even if it's a, and he was trying his best and we watched him struggle to remain professional and try not to say, uh, I'm going to turn this off. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, losing my mind. None of that. And so it reminded me of that. Well, and early on, we hear in a really credible, believable, I do not for an instant believe this is an actor way of this guy, his dog ran away. Oh, yeah. And it's and he freaks out. That's the first time he cracks, isn't it? Yeah. And that it's not necessarily yeah, I'm, I'm directly done. related to the house, but like you just hear him lose his dog. But forever. Well, and yeah, well, here's the deal. That happens. I'm stopping the recording and going to get my dog, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> and his dog name is, is Jeff. I know a couple episodes ago we talked about Sarah being a bad dog's name. Yeah, what happened? Jeff and Sarah, the dogs, should get together. <laughs> we, it, was, it took a long time for us to figure out how to name pets. <laughs> they weren't, you don't give them real names. You name your son, Jeff. Right. <laughs> I'll name the dog. Dogs like Sporto or something. <laughs> Sporto. <laughs> I don't know how to name dogs. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, Tim. That is a, that is a really distressing moment, and again, it grounds it in reality, right? You, you know, it's your dog, and it feels really real. It's the reality of being on the air that existed at the time. The dog's gone, or this is happening, or that's happening, and you and you forge ahead. You had an obligation, a yep. duty. Yeah, it was a profession that had Which it, a it, huge amount of duty is, attached like, to duty it. to finish this prank stunt. It might be a prank stunt, but in his, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, it's a little like the, the, the theater thing where like the show must go on. The show even, must go yeah. on, even right. if it is some crappy interactional dinner theater. You're like the show must go on, right? We use the word crappy for half of my <laughs> higher theater. 
experience. Uh, sorry about that. It's implicit no, on the resume. You're right. I did choose to make direct eye contact with Eric when I said that <laughs> instead of Tim. Listeners. Oh, man, I wish I had some of that crappy work. Just uh, so you remember, I think I paid you guys over a summer to do some of that crappy work. So uh, thank you. hope you enjoyed that paycheck. All right. Well, final verdict, guys. I think <laughs> that paycheck was a classic that will stand the test of time. <laughs> I found it to be top five. It's got to be. It's one of the greatest ever. Uh, I, I won't. I won't go that far yet. But I. I, I don't know. It was. It's really it's, great. It is it's, a timeless classic, hands down. So I will good. easily say that. And and I will say that. And when he starts talking to the people who aren't there, is one of the scariest moments of old time radio. I, I ter- and I've it. heard it several times, and I listened to it today in broad daylight, and it still freaks me out when he does that. And it's just that classic horror formula that it's classic because it works. Of uh, he becomes so sympathetic, he becomes so connected to him, and then the author sends him somewhere that you don't want to go, and you've got to go with him because you're so attached to him. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, Film Buff 104, <laughs> for forcing us to do this episode that we were, I guess, saving, but it's about time that we did it. Yes. You've been listening to the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Thank you so much. If you want to learn more about us, go to ghoulishdelights.com. You will find old episodes of this podcast there, and you will learn about live performances we do because we do live performances. We'll take scripts from old radio shows and perform them live. Yes, and if you can, go to iTunes and leave a review like Film Buff 104 did. You might even include a suggestion in that review, and we will include it on the podcast. Just write a review, please. And who's got the next one? That would be me. Our next episode is an episode from Dark Fantasy called Spawn of the Subhuman. Until then... Look out!